Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. guys welcome Aaron McKissick up here. Love you, man. I'm excited to receive from him right now, so. I noticed this, by the way, this bottle opener. It's very interesting. Yeah. This is, Jesse has a beer on Sunday morning or something. I don't know. This is, I question everything. It's the new wine, yeah. That's a wine opener. A little different, but it is, yeah. Um, Thanks for sharing that testimony about the boxes. Uh, my wife and I actually uh, meet with the boxes as well for our marriage. And uh, are you guys like rack experts now? Are you so good at it? You, that's right. So if you want to know what rack is, I'm not going to tell you. You have to show up. And um, so are, are singles allowed to go too, or is it just couples or anybody? Uh, primarily couples and yeah. So if you're married or if you're married or you're with a spouse, turn to the, your spouse and tell them you need to go. Um, that'd be a good idea. No, I'm serious though. It's the boxes are amazing. Steve and Lorraine are awesome. Once you get to once you get used to Lorraine's intensity, it's really great. Um, then you're like, this is awesome. But uh, yeah, I um, like Jesse said. I, I met Jesse 13 years ago, and it was just awesome. I mean, that was a, a great a great moment for me to to make a friend like him. And and um, and it was early on. Like I I had gone out to California, um, Reading. And I had no idea what Redding, California was. Like, n- never been there before. I was f- I'm from Ohio, um, actually from Cleveland area. Whoop, whoop. Um, but it's, it's like still the Midwest, but it's not. It's like to the east, so I tell people I'm from the Middle East. And, um, and no one, they always give me a weird look. I'm like, I'm from the Middle East. But um, so we went out to Redding, and um, my dad convinced me of it. I was going through a kind of a hard time in my life, like not not doing anything bad, but just like kind of living aimlessly. Um, and so he's like, you should go out to Bethel. I'm like, okay, sure, you're my dad, I trust you. And so I went out there and I was expecting like palm trees and beaches and, uh, and it's redding and it's like pine trees and mountains and a bunch of trucks, you know? And so it was not at all what I expected, but it was unbelievable. And so great time in my life, get to know Jesse. And, um, and like he said, we went to Japan in first year and that was the first time I'd ever gone to Japan. And it had been on my heart, though, for a while. Um, and ultimately what happened on that trip, it was the first time in my life. And I'd have to give you so much story for this to make even sense, but Jesse can kind of affirm this. Um, I wasn't like a, a very warm and inviting person, like even though I was going to ministry school. Like I, I was pretty hard, kind of robotic. And... Um, and so, which was awkward because, like, I wanted to, like, do ministry, and it's, that involves people, you know. And so, um, so then when I was in Japan, this moment happened for me where I just was like, like, Jesus, there's, there's a part in the in Scripture. I think I actually have it saved up here. I do. And I'll, I'll go back and reference this later. And it also says this in Mark, but I'm in Matthew 9, verse, um, we'll say 36, it said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. And, and there's more to it, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And, and I had read that verse. I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor, and so I'm a PK. And I was aware of this verse, aware of a lot of verses like it. Um, but, and I knew, obviously, what compassion meant. I'm, you know, I, I speak English, and I went to school. I'm intelligent. And, um, and so... But I could never relate to it. Like, it wasn't something that I was like, oh, yeah, I'm often moved by compassion. It's, I'm often moved by annoyance. Like, that was my normal <laughs> response to stuff. I'm like, oh, this needs to change, you know? And, and, and that was not how Jesus was motivated, you know? He was motivated by compassion. And, and so when I ended up going to Japan, like, it was the first time in my life that that idea clicked and I wanna, I'm going to pause. I apologize. I'm never going to look at this camera. So if you're watching online, I'm sorry. But uh, um, they're just going to get this the whole time. But um, Jesus was moved by compassion. And when I'm in Japan, it was the first time ever that it just clicked for me. I was like, these people, I, I don't know why. I, I love these people. And I want to see Jesus move and touch these people. And I want to be a part of that. I want to see them thrive. I want to see them know him. And I want to see them worship him. And, 
And that was the beginning, and that was in 2010. I went to Osaka, Japan, and, um, and on that trip, um, I didn't tell anybody, but on that trip, I said, I'm going to live in Japan. Like, this is going to be my life. I will be here. Um, and so much so that I met my wife in 2012, and um, when we started dating, um, I told her, I said, look, there's uh, a thing. You're great, um, <laughs> but if you... If you don't want to live in Japan, like, if you don't, like, we're not going to work out, you know? And, um, and she's like, oh, okay. You know, and, um, and she probably, I mean, I, I believe the best. I, I'm sure she could point it out on a map, but she did not know anything about Japan, you know? And, and it was something that um, she just kind of, I don't know why she just so quickly said, okay. Uh, but she finally was able to go on a trip that Jesse and Jessica were leading. She, she was with Jessica in Okinawa, which is like, well, no, duh, you're going to love Japan. It's like Hawaii. Uh, but um, it was, it, it touched her as well. Like, she was just wrecked on that trip. And so she agreed pretty shortly after, like, yeah, you know, if we get married, of course, this makes sense. Like, Japan is totally for us. This is where God's calling us. And so there's a lot, though, in between all that. And, and so I, I'm going to tell a little bit of our story. Um, and then I, I do want to share, like, a word, you know, for you guys specifically. But I do want to let you guys know who we are. You guys are a part of our lives. We're a part of your lives now, whether or not you know that. Um, and so, yeah, whether you like it or not, uh, you sustain us as well, you know, and that's, we're super grateful. Um, but one thing that we believe, kind of a theology we have within missions, is that whatever we do, like the, what, like the fruit that we reap or whatever we sow over there, because of how you guys sending us, you're supporting us, like you reap the same thing. Like you guys get that as well. So you're a part of that. Um, we'll do our best to make sure you guys are aware what that fruit is, but um, you'll also know in eternity, you know, that's going to that's gonna come your way. But um, so we're super grateful that you guys are a part of our lives and a part of the ministry and seeing the kingdom spread uh, in Japan. Um, so like I said, though, in 2010, I was convinced, like, I'm going to live in Japan, and it's just going to be what I do. And so everything that I did after that, I had this attitude that it needs to add towards that idea, like going towards Japan. And, and something started happening, which I don't suggest. This wasn't a good thing that happened, but I want you guys to be aware in case something like this happens in your own lives. I started making a plan, you know, and um, I'm not saying plans are bad, but... But I started making a plan and not considering God's plan. It was just like, I'm going to go to Japan, and here's how I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to go back and get my degree because they care about that. Um, I'm going to go and, and, and get a job, and then I'm going to take that job overseas, and then this, that, and the other. And I had this plan forming. I was plotting, you know. And, and um, so then my wife and I, we get married in 2015. And, um, and part of the, our plan, by the way, was like, okay, what we'll do, this is a great opportunity for us to reset everything and get really ready to go to Japan. We're going to have a tiny wedding, like just not invite anybody. And, um, and so it was like, it was as close to eloping as possible, but people came, you know, and, and it was in Brunswick, Ohio, which no one elopes there. That is not a, not an, uh, are you from Brunswick or no? Oh, okay. Wow. No one's ever said that in the history of the world, but, uh. <laughs> but uh, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, this is wild. Well, that's amazing. Uh, I think you found your calling. It might be Brunswick, Ohio. But um, we were just in Brunswick actually a few weeks ago. It is, it's great. I'm just joking. Um, and we decided to have a small wedding, and we're like, look, we're going to just, nobody give to our wedding. We want you guys to give to this idea of us going overseas. And I think my brother-in-law, like, made a website for us or something, and that was all that happened from that, you know? And so I don't suggest trying to raise money and not inviting people at the same time. That's not a great idea. That didn't pan out. And so we ended up going from there, and we moved to a, a, um, a city called Toledo, Ohio. Um, I was just talking to Deborah about, I don't know where she is, but uh, over there, it's the armpit of Ohio. And, um, and I actually love it. It's actually an amazing city. God's doing so many things. It's, it is kind of tough, but but God is doing amazing stuff there. And, um, and so we were there. I was a part of a church there. We were doing things. I went back to school, and, and I really felt like that was strategic. And so I studied economics and uh, statistics and because I don't know what I was thinking about when it came to being a missionary. You know, I just thought, they don't need to know numbers, I guess, you know. And, and so I, from that point... Um, we ended up having our first son in 2017, Liam. He's five years old now. 
in case you can't do math. And um, he, he was my first excuse to not go to Japan. And so when, when we got pregnant, we're like, oh, we want to go to Japan, but you know, now you're pregnant and we got a little one. We're going to have to wait now. We're going to wait a few more years. We're going to push it back, you know. And um, we did. We waited a few more years, and, and so I decided that I needed to get a job um, after graduation. And so we were still waiting for our child to grow, you know. And so I started applying for jobs in, in Toledo, and I couldn't get anything, like any, anything in that area. And so I sent one resume out to Redding, California. I was like, we liked being in Redding. I'll just send a resume out there. And then I, I actually got a, a call back, and I, I got an interview, and, and I ended up getting hired at uh, Shasta County as a, an analyst for... Um, the um, uh, children's services. And so we flew out to California, or we moved out to California, and we were there. And, and then Ella was born in 2019. And that was another excuse for me. I'm like, oh, she's pregnant. Oh, man, we got a baby again. You know, this is, and then we just kept pushing it back, you know. And, and, and I, I actually liked my job as an analyst. Um, I, I didn't really love working for the county, but it was amazing to do what I was doing. I, I really thought I was good at what I was doing. And and it, was, it made sense. It was clicking. And I'm like, maybe this is what we're supposed to be doing. I started like kind of wavering from this original dream that I felt God gave me to be in Japan. And, and I just kept running away from that. And, and this really horrible fire ended up happening um, in 2018. So I kind of went back a little bit. But um, it's called the Car Fire. You guys probably heard of it. And some of you, I don't know if you guys were out there at that time. And, um, but um, it was a, a really horrendous fire, and it really disrupted our lives. I mean, it disrupted everybody, but uh, our lives were extremely disrupted. And at one point, we were in a zone that got evacuated. Um, and so we ended up going down to Southern California to get out of the, the area and get out of the smoke. And while we were down there, someone sent us a photo of, of, like kind of, of an area where the fire was coming into Redding. And the angle, how the photo was done, I, it was crazy. Like, I just thought, oh, my gosh, my apartment's gone. Like, I just, we don't have anything anymore, you know? And, and, um, and it wasn't, by the way, the apartment was never touched and it never was like, it was like, it wasn't even like a mile or it was like over a mile away. And so, so it was weird. I don't know how that angle happened, but that, from that photo, we started talking, my wife and I again, we're like, well, all of our stuff is gone. And then like that, it all kind of like, what do we do now? And, and we're like, well, we've always talked about Japan. We should we should really consider going to Japan now. Like, God took care of that, I guess, you know. And, and so we were like, okay. And so we, in that, while we were there, we started talking about what it would look like to move back to Japan, and we got hope again. We got excited, and, and we really felt the Lord on it. And then we were disappointed to find that our apartment was still there, you know. And, and we came back, and we're like, oh, man, I thought there'd be insurance money, you know. And, and, um, and so, you know, all that took place. And, but even then, like I said, our, our, uh, Sarah was pregnant at the time. And so, um, so we waited until, you know, she gave birth and, and we had Ella and she's amazing. She's three. She's so spunky. And, um, and we still weren't moving though. And, and this thing happened. We were out walking. I, I don't remember it being connected to anything. Like we didn't, like, it wasn't like we heard a sermon or we saw a missionary or, or something happened. We were just out on a walk one day, um, I say it was at Lima Ranch, and she tells, my wife says it was at the river. I don't know which one it was, but we were walking, that we agree on that. And, um, and while we were walking, we just had this moment where we stopped, and we said, what are we doing? You know, what, what are we doing, like, like us specifically? Because we have agreed, even before marriage, that we said we'd go to Japan. Like, we agreed on that, and the Lord was on it, and we agreed. And we've been disobedient for, I don't know, at that point it was... Uh, maybe five or four years, five years, I don't know, I think five years or so. And, and we're just like, God, you know, we, we hear this language of repentance, you know, and, and, but I didn't ever really understand how to actually do it outside of that moment of like salvation, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I guess I should repent. I know it's a turning away. I know it's like this going a different direction, but, but we're like, let's just repent and, and we're going to, we're just going to audibly do this. So we were walking, we were in public and we we're just both like together. We're like, God, we're sorry. We're like talking out loud, you know, in the middle of this place. And, and we're like, we repent. It's whatever you do, whatever you want. Like we say yes to Japan. Like we say yes. And, and we're walking back to our car. And, um, and it, this is actually really funny. This, this homeless man, it, it appeared homeless, may not have been homeless, but it, it was very homeless looking, was just walking and he just goes, he's just like, I'll follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. You know, he's just singing this song. And I was just like, 
well, thank you, homeless angel. Like, that was such a confirmation <laughs> in that moment. And, and it just, it really was. And so we went home, and, and um, our, our landlord was a guy named Charlie Harper. Um, I, some of you might know him. And, and, um, and we saw Charlie kind of shortly after that time, and we, and we told him, like, Charlie, we, um, we're putting in our notice. You know, we're going to move. And he's like, oh, okay. When? We're like, we don't know. You know, it's, but we got a notice. Like, we, we said yes to God, and, and Charlie's a, he's an amazing believer, and so he just was like, amen, that's awesome. You know, like, so it was, we're really grateful to have a landlord who just let us say we're done, but we had no idea when. Um, and, um, and then Charlie, though, it, even more than that, he was asking more about what was going on, um, and uh, we told him that we felt like this original call about going to Japan. And um, he's like, well, that's so funny you'd say that. My assistant is, is um, hosting a lady from Japan, and you guys should go have dinner with her. And we're like, okay, you know, God's moving quick here, you know. Let's, and, uh, and so I, I don't remember how long after that the dinner took place, but we ended up having this dinner with her. And, and through conversation and talking, um, I realized she was a part of this big church in Hiro in Tokyo um, area, and and she was explaining this church, and things about it were familiar, but I'm like, I've never been there. Like, I've never been to this church, because it was brand new. Like, I just built it and everything. And, and she starts saying certain names, and, and then at one point, um, it, like, it hit me. I was like, did you guys used to meet in an office? She goes, oh, I wasn't a part of that, but yeah, they used to meet in an office. And I was like, in this area called Roppongi? She's like, yes. I'm like, I spoke at your little, tiny little church one time. And it was like this tiny little church. Like, maybe like 20 people were there. And like, it was like maybe seven years before that I had spoken at their church. And, um, and so this connection happened. And, and ultimately, you know, long story short, er, shorter, it's still long, but um, um, she connected us and they were the ones who sponsored our visa to ultimately come out to Japan. Now between that dinner and us moving to Japan, we started doing something that was, appeared radical for us. So I, I, I told my, I went, and I was working at this time, at this point I changed my jobs, I was working for a, a small website developing company and I, I was managing the development of websites. And, um, and it's a, the guy's a believer, the owner and his wife, they're believers. And so I told him that, hey, um, we really feel like God's shifting our hearts to, to go to Japan. And, and actually how that conversation came about, he, he approached us and said, look, I want to know if you guys are like, we, we're having just lunch, and he says, I want you guys to know that no matter what happens, like, you, you guys, we, we have you. We'll give you, we'll, you can keep this job, even if it means that you're going to go over in the middle of Asia, you know? And we're like, uh, Gabe, funny you'd say that, actually. Um, we just had this thing happen, you know, and, and we really feel God's calling us to Japan. And it was in that moment that I think Gabe thought, I should not have said that, you know? And, and uh, but, but, you know, it was the Lord, and he knew it, you know, and... And so we just had this thing, and we were going back, and we started talking about what that would look like, that I would work, for, you know, remotely and be over there. And, and as we were talking, doing this conversation, some weeks were going by, and I just didn't feel right about it. Like, there just wasn't a piece, and I just felt like God didn't want me to go to Japan to build websites. Like, he wanted me to go and build his church, be a part of building his church. And, and so I, in, a, in a really, really awkward and horrible conversation, um, I ended up quitting, and um, and it was really tough, but, you know, because I had so much fear about it, I just thought, this is the stupidest thing. This guy's offering me a job this, to keep, and, and now we're going to have to figure something else out. So, um, so that happened. I, I, I put in my two weeks, and, and they, we honored that, and it was the weekend, and then um, I don't remember the exact date, but if any of you know the date that lockdown started, that was my first Monday of not having a job. And so... Um, it was like the worst timing ever in missionary history, I think, to quit a job. And, and, and so I found myself in this point where I'm stuck in this, in this area. And it was supposed to be two weeks, so it wasn't that scary at first, but we all know how that went. And, um, and so it was like, what do we do? You know, like, I just quit my job. No one's hiring anymore. You know, I can't collect unemployment because of how that was going. And, and God used that to do something for us that we never thought we would do, and we support raised. You know, like, that was so daunting. And, and actually, the boxes were a major part of that, uh, Steve and Lorraine. So they, if you don't know, they'll, they'll tell you they were missionaries in Kenya, I believe, for many years. And, and so they were, they were talking to us about this plan. They were so excited that we were becoming missionaries to Japan. And they're like, how are you guys doing on support raising? And 
I don't remember what we said to her, but the look on her face was this like, you're not doing it right, you know? And so she, she suggested that we do this one class, and we did it, and it was, it was amazing. It was, the, it was life-changing. We're excited to invite people to be a part of what we're doing. Like, I don't shy away from asking people to partner with us, and, and it's so important because, one, I know, I mentioned already, like, yes, we benefit. Yeah, yeah we get finances to be out there doing what we're doing, but it's like, but I know that whoever sows into what's going on there, like, they reap so much of that as well, and, and it's just an amazing um, spiritual agreement. There's amazing thing that happens in the kingdom, and so we're so grateful to be a part of that. But that's Stephen Lorraine helped us see that, and and of course they helped our marriages along the way, our marriage along the way. Um, and uh, I only have one. We didn't remarry. Um, and so, and 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 the one thing that I also want to say, and this is props to my wife. She's not in the room right now, but um, she was. She had so much more faith in that moment than I did. And, and as soon as I quit my job, she started selling our stuff, you know? And, um, and it wasn't like in fear. She wasn't like, oh, we need money. You know, she just thought, we can't take this with us, you know? And I just thought, oh, my gosh, like, I can't believe you're going to do all this. And, and I wanted to throw stuff out. And I think partly looking back, I was just being lazy. Um, but she, she just sold everything. And it was unbelievable the favor she had with selling stuff. And and, like, we ended up having these garage sales, and, and people were coming. At one point, our car was parked there, and, and it was during garage sales. Someone goes, are you selling that thing? And I was like, yes, I'm selling this thing. But we weren't, you know, and so, but that person bought my car, you know. And, and so it was just, like, stuff like that was happening, and, and, and everything was going. Like, and so we, like, only had, like, this one couch, which was actually Heidi Baker's couch, so it was kind of cool. But we had Heidi's couch, and we had our bed, and our kids had, like, two things that they chewed on, you know? And that was, that was like, our house for a long time. And, and um, sorry, I say all this. I'll be quick here. And um, because some amazing things happened in that season. One, it was, it was like the Lord accelerated. As we were doing this thing, as we made this commitment and finally said yes, like, so much started happening. Like, it was hard to keep up. And then on top of that, you, you build faith, when you, and, you, and you just have to agree, you know, and you just do it. Like, God's on this. We're going to do it. We're going to start selling stuff. We're going to start talking to people. We're going to ask people to give and partner with us. We're going to ask people to partner in prayer. We're going to do all these things. And all that happened, and it's, it was so fast. And even during that time of us selling our stuff, other people, this, you know, people randomly showed up. Of course, it's a garage sale. They're going to randomly show up in there. And this one person goes, are you guys the Barbooties? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't know what a Barbooty is. And, and, and there was, they're like, oh, we thought you were the Barbooties. There's this other family, I guess then, who's moving to Tokyo uh, as missionaries, and they're called the Barbooties. And I was like, what are you, what? You know, and like, where? Like, here in Reading. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so we ultimately, we found we had a mutual friend eventually, and, and we connected with this other family, and, and we are now both of our families are together in Tokyo. Like, so this is, like, God even gave us relationship and friendship and, and, and people to go out there with, and, and he provided all that, and it was just unbelievable. And, um, yeah, and so, and then the last thing I'll say about it, and, and this was my wife again, um, she's like, I think we're going to be going in October. And this was still, everything was locked down. Japan was especially locked down. And, and she's like, we just got to be ready. We got to be ready. And, and so we're like, you know, trying to do visa stuff, and they're not letting anything go through. And, and then this crazy thing happened. They, they approved our COE, which is a certificate of eligibility, and then you can get your visa approved right after that. And, and that happened in October. And so it's like, we get our COE, we immediately get our visa, and then the borders open, and Sarah's like, we're buying tickets right now. We're like, okay. So we snuck in, and like, we just got right in, and it was like October 16th or 17th or 18th, I don't remember, so almost exactly two years ago was when we f- moved to Japan, and, um, and, and God was just on it, obviously. Like, it just felt so amazing, and, 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 and the reason why I tell you this whole story is, is that I think being a missionary, which I actually, I was just telling Jesse, I don't love that title, you know, because there's so much good and bad baggage with the idea of a missionary. Like, I don't know, like I said, I grew up in the church. I don't know if you guys have ever grown up in a church where a missionary would come in and they would share, and all you felt afterwards was like, that person hated me. You know, like, they just think we're, not, we're just spoiled. We're here in America living our lives, and they're over there struggling in a bush somewhere. And, and that's, that's what I always felt like with missionaries when they came through. And, 
And one, I don't want you to feel that way, by the way, and I'm not going to make you feel that way. And, um, but two, uh, it's, I, I think also people keep viewing missionary as an occupation. And yes, it is my occupation, but, um, but it's also not. Like, I'm, I'm a pastor overseas. I'm, I'm doing other things as well. And, and so I, I want to remove this idea of, of, of being a missionary because I want this to be accessible to all of you. Like, every one of you... Uh, like even Deborah said, every, everywhere is missional. We're missional in every area that we are. This is a conversation we were just having. And, and, and that is so true. Like that is what I want you guys to be encouraged in. And, and we'll get there. We'll talk about it. But the, that is the ultimate goal here, is that you guys have a missional mindset wherever you are. Some of you might be called overseas. And if that is the case, then you better go. But, um, but other, the rest of us, or the rest of you, I guess I am overseas. The rest of you... Um, it is being intentional and missional in wherever you are and wherever God's given you interest. And, and I do believe, and if you don't feel this way, we'll pray about it, but I do believe God gives you the desire, you know, of, of a, a certain region, a certain place, a certain um, group of people or, or whatever. And, you know, I, I, we often read that, right? God gives you the desires of your heart. And, and I think it's okay to read it the way that everyone traditionally reads it, like he gives you the desires of your heart. But I always read it as he gives you the desire. Like, it's like he puts it inside of you. This is a desire from me to you. That's my family right there. And um, this is Sarah and Ella. And um, anyway, hi, guys. Um, and, and that is so important that, and that you find the people, like I mentioned for me with Japan, like that, that help have you move with compassion. Wherever that triggers and boils up and happens and overflows, that is the moment that you realize that you found your place to be missional. And so, um, anyway, I guess ultimately what I want to get at, though, is there's a couple things in Scripture I want to read, and we'll jump around a little bit. Um, but I wanted to share our story because um, we, you know, God did so much in that time. But what, one thing I noticed he didn't do is he didn't send us in that moment to, like, some missionary training school. He didn't, like, make me go learn some crazy level of theology and get my MDiv somewhere. Or He didn't, like, all these things didn't happen. In fact, all he had us do was shed things off, right? We just got rid of our junk. We just started saying yes to stuff. And as we just got rid of stuff, we became very mobile, you know, and we just became able to go. And, and, and I think that that's something that's so important, that even in the areas that you feel God's calling you to be missional in your own lives, it's, he often will just, it's like removing something, and then suddenly you're like, oh man, we're, we're right here. We're able to take care of this now, like God's equipped me. You'll be so surprised how much God's already prepared you to do something in an area that you're already in, and, and you don't even realize it's going to be useful. You know, God doesn't take anything and just let it go to waste. Like, he takes it, and he uses it for his glory. And, um, and speaking of glory, this is the one last thing I want to say about missions work. Um, there is a, um, a pastor and author that we really love, a guy named John Piper. Uh, I don't know if you guys would all know him. He's pretty popular in the evangelical stream, but um, he probably defines missions, like the, the, the work of missions, the best out of anyone I've ever heard. And he says that um, a missionary's only job is to establish places of worship. Like, that is... That is it. Like, that's your job. Like, you are establishing places of worship. And if you are not doing that, you're not a missionary. You're not doing your job. Like, the whole purpose of anything that we do is to see Jesus see, get his, receive his full reward, right? We just said that in, in, during our offering time. And, and really to see his name sung and worshiped and put above every single name in all nations. And, and that is the purpose of a missionary. And... Um, and Jesse and I were just having this conversation earlier today. It, it helps me to, to view it this way. Like, this is, I, I don't know if I would call it a core value, but it's just something that, it's, it's kind of like, it's like my true north. It, it's kind of what helps me and sets me and resets me. And that is, I believe, and Scripture will suggest this as well, that God cares about his glory more than anything. His glory, his presence, his, his, him. You know, then it says our God is a, a jealous God, a consuming fire. It's always an awkward verse to read, you know, because we love the part where it's like he's, he's love, he's, you know, he's gentle, he's like a bruised reed, he shall not break, but he's also a burning fire. You know, like it's, I don't know how that all works, but 
But it does, and, and it's an amazing quality of him. His jealousy is an amazing quality of him, and, and it's, it's about his glory. So for us, it becomes that simple. It becomes binary, right? We're just like zeros and ones. It's like, okay, should we do this? Well, does this glorify the Lord? No, well, we're not doing that. You know, that's not a part of our lives. We don't want that to be a part of our lives, and I think it could be that simple, you know? Um, but that is what drives us. That's what helps us make choices. And, and I just wanted to share that with you guys as well. Like, it's just something that helps us. It's, it, it's like a, it's not, I mean, it's simple, but it's major. Like, it's huge. And so, anyway, um, here's what I want to do, talk about, though. This is going to be a, a, a not-so-subtle transition. <laughs> um, I, Jesus has given us some pretty great commissions, right? The Great Commission, as we know it, you know, in the end of Matthew, he says it in Mark and the end of Luke and in John. There's different versions of it. Um, and um, so I want to read to you real quick Matthew's account of the Great Commission. Um, it's Matthew 28. I'm going to start at 16. It says, um, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. So we'll remember that. I'm going to jump over to Luke here real quick. Um, he says here in um, Luke 24, verse, um, sorry about that, a little lost here. Uh, we'll start with 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed, proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have uh, been clothed with power from on high. Um, I want to do Mark's account real quick because it's always quick in Mark. Um, later he appeared to, I'm sorry, this is chapter 16, verse 14. Later he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were sitting at the table, and he upbraided them. I don't know what that word means, actually. What does your guys' version say? He what? Rebuked. Okay, I thought someone said forgave. I'm like, what? But then, he did. He forgave them, but he also rebuked. Uh, for their lack of faith and stubbornness because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. By using my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes in their hands, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So, Jesus, multiple accounts give it, you know, little wording's a little bit different, but that's okay. That actually kind of creates a, uh, you know, a truth to it and, and as we account with Scripture. And, um, and as Jesus said, it's like he's commissioned us, he's sent us, and yes, to all nations, right? Um, and, and that includes America. That includes, you know, Indiana. That includes this region. That includes everything here. So, you know, I think so often we, we think about what he's saying, like, go to the nations, Right? And, and the attitude often is that we go somewhere else, right? Um, but, you know, his name is to be worshipped and put above every name in all the world, and especially in America, right? Especially now. It, at one point in time, you could say that America was doing a great job of keeping his name at the top, and now it's not so much the case. And so, especially now, America needs missionaries and missional people. And, um, but, you know, in, in Matthew, he did say, uh, teaching them to... Uh, to, to do as I taught you, as I commanded you. What did, what did Jesus command? There's like a very specific thing that he commanded at one point, other than the whole, you can do all these things, and, and you know, outside of the commission itself, what was it? Yeah, love God and love people. Those are what, I mean, uh, it can be assumed he's said other things, yeah. It, that's right, and 
But that, that, is, that is part of it, you know? He also commanded to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, you know? He commanded that. Um, he, he, and, and it's just, it is almost that simple. And, and our approach needs to be this. First, and it's first, love God. Like, there's an, there's an, an importance to this ordering, is love God. Too, too often, too many people, especially outside of Christianity and, and somewhat in this kind of, there's like a, kind of a new Christianity showing up where it's like, oh, it's just about love. It's just about love, you know, and the Bible's whatever, but it's about love, you know, this deconstructionalism. You know, I love when truth is lifted up. The Bible to me is truth, though, and I don't need someone to tear it apart. And, um, and, but part of it is like people are putting God on the back burners and trying to promote love first, and it cannot be that. It has to be love God and then you can love people. And, and so part of that is, is just worship. Part of that is what we do as missionaries, right? We're here to establish places of worship. I love worship like this. This is my favorite kind of worship. You know, I love song um, and uh, applauding your bass player. He did not use a pick. He was using only his finger, so good job to you. That is, is a, it's a, it's a, no, I, that's a bass joke. I'm sorry. I don't I just... Bass players should not use picks. But, um, but seriously, I, uh, it is love God first, and then from that place, you can love people. And um, if you guys don't know our missions organization, we're a part of a ministry called Iris Global. I'll give a super quick version of that. It started in 1994. Roland and Heidi Baker, um, which I was great. See, Roland, you know, you got Roland. You got these things. You could always remember us. You've got these Rollins around. So when you see these, pray for us. And... Um, and, um, and, and really, if you know Roland and Heidi, it's just absolutely, it's about love. You stop for the one. It is you love them until Jesus is totally all over them, you know, and they can't do anything about it. And, um, and that, that is really the whole purpose of what we're doing. We're just there to show love, to expand his kingdom through his love. And, and only from that place can we truly and purely love people is when we love God really, really well. And so, anyway, yeah. So I'm going to go back to that verse I started with, actually, about Jesus being moved by compassion. So um, this was a part of missional ideas, and that is uh, chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And, and that is my request today, like that you all... Not necessarily become laborers. You are lab- like just take the lens off, right? Just realize that you guys are missional in where you are. That you have an opportunity to be light in dark places, and that it doesn't have to be Japan. It doesn't have to be the Congo, Mozambique. It doesn't have to be like Brazil. It doesn't have to be all these places. I mean, it could be, but but he's calling you to be a light in these places around here, just as much. And and. And the world needs it, right? The harvest is ready. People have been prophesying about this next harvest that's coming, that there's going to be millions of souls. And, and it starts with us. It starts with everyone in their day-to-day lives. It's not going to just, you know, I have a hard time believing they're all just going to show up in church one day. You know, they're all going to wake up and be like, you know what? Today's the day, you know? And, and then just like major traffic jam, bottlenecking in here, and then just packing in, you know? You'll need more than 120 seats. But... It's not going to start that way. It has to start with you guys engaged. How did the whole thing start? Do you guys know John 3.16, right? May, I hope you still, like, even wrestlers know this one. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What, he loved the world before it was anything worth loving, right? This was when it was full of sin. And what did he do? Did he say, all right, guys, come on up. Like, that was not what he said. He's like, all right, let's go. Jesus went down. He came to earth. And that was the first, that's how Jesus always did it. He always went into the place, and then he ministered. Like, he always went. It was never like they just showed up randomly at Jesus' house. Of course, we know he didn't have a house. But, like, you know what I'm saying? They didn't just show up to, to wherever. Like, you have to go and be in that environment. 
And so the thing that I want to say, and this kind of makes me, like, I don't want to say nervous. It's not nervous. Um, I want to be careful because I know that there's some sensitivity to this sort of thing. I was praying about what to say here. This was a couple weeks ago. I was praying about it, and, um, and I kept having this, li- this line come in my head as I was praying for the church and what to say here. And I was just, Jesse and I were laughing about it. I hate cliche. It feels a bit cliche. Um, but I felt like the Lord was saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I don't know if you guys have heard that phrase before. That I'm assuming you have because I have, and I'm only 34. And, um, and, and really... What I, I prayed more about it because I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? You know, what does that have to do with anything? And I feel like what the church has done, I'm not accusing anyone here, by the way, this is not accusational. I'm just saying what has happened in church, the church in general, not overflow, but maybe, but the church, is that we have deemed certain things just totally horrible, untouchable, deplorable. We will not go there. That is not a church thing. Christians do this. Christians don't do that. And I'm not saying that we'd start doing things, but I'm saying certain things. And this is a simple one. How about video games? How many parents just love video games for their kids? You guys, anybody? Anybody? No? Not a single one of you. I'm so surprised. Yeah. (laughs) Just a sheepish one in the back, you know, like, I'm in the back. Nobody look. But... um, I was just looking up a statistic. There's a tournament happening in video games. There's, a, there's one game this coming at uh, the end of this month. Uh, that tournament last year had 77 million viewers for this one game. 77 million viewers. If we don't allow people to be creative and how they reach people who play video games, you're going to miss 77 million viewers. You know, even, you know, there's other areas that feel a bit more accessible, like, like fashion, right? 100% of people wear clothes, last I checked. And, and this is a place where, yeah, maybe not in some parts and islands, but in parts of France. But, um, but there, is, there is this opportunity, and I know maybe some of you are passionate about it, but, but God's glory needs to be in fashion somehow. You know, and, and God's glory needs to be in food. God's glory needs to be in entertainment. I was trying to imagine, like, a football game that fully glorified the Lord. I, I, well, I couldn't imagine it, by the way. I, I, I just thought the game ended, you know, like, it's over. No game happened, you know. But, and that might be the case, right? That might be the case. But, but we need to be creative and become missional in these areas that God's given us a heart for, a passion for. And, and we need to be open to how God might have us express that. And, and here's the thing. I think we also need to talk amongst each other and find out what God is doing and what He is saying and where He is going. Because I will promise that there are groups of you in here that probably have the same burden as others. And you guys might be shocked what you might be able to come and start and do and see God intervene in areas like video games, like fashion. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what it would look like. Like, it's easy to imagine what God's glory, well, maybe not, but, you know, his glory showing up in church, you know, or on a worship set or on a mission field. But it's like, it's not so easy to be like, well, I work at a, at a factory and I don't know what it would look like if God's glory just, boom, just showed up in this place, you know? Like, are we going to get in trouble or is this going to be amazing, you know? I don't know, as long as God is glorified, you know? And, it, and it's risky. I think it's riskier personally to do that than it is to go overseas and, you know, because I'm just over here doing my thing and I might look like a fool and that's okay. No one's going to fire me. <laughs> so it's riskier for you guys. And I, and I say that and with like, and I honor that, you know, it's risky. The finance world needs to see God's glory in it, in, in accounting and all that. But that's risky as well. You know, you're talking about, you know, ultra millionaires need to have God's encounter and people need to be able to influence those people. A very sensitive subject, I know this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, when Trump was president, it was like many people from the charismatic stream especially were invited to be in Trump's presence, right? I don't mean that in a weird way, but, you know, like they were able to come and be near the president, and they could minister to him. They did worship with him. They prayed with him. They laid hands on him. Um, how many charismatic people have been invited to Biden's place? This is not a Biden thing, by the way. I'm not jabbing Biden. It's because we hate him. Like, we're not going to win what we don't love. We're not going to be able to intervene 
and be there and be able to influence someone when we speak so poorly of them, when we hate them, when we, you know, even if it's not just hate, maybe it's, maybe it's less than hate, right? Maybe it's just like, oh, we're just, you know, I don't like them. They're Democrats. They're whatever. Or, or I don't like them. They, they, they're pro-abortion. I don't, it's like, we need to have our love on or we'll never have influence there. Like, well, it'll never happen. And so, like, I, I would love to see Biden somehow, someone gets invited into Biden's area and they pray for him and Biden gets this amazing encounter with the Lord. Like, that's what we want to have, right? We need to be praying for our leaders and, and we need to be loving people and we need to be open. And that's the only way it'll ever happen is if we don't hate and we, and we have love. Of course, love God first, but we need to be open. It's the same I'm telling you, I, I made a joke about what parent loves their kids playing video games. But as a parent, we need to not hate what our kids really enjoy. That's like a, a really great tip for like staying connected to your kids. Now, don't let them do whatever they want, right? That's, that's a whole nother. Trust me, I'm not an idiot. Um, but but there, there are things that they're allowed to enjoy that we need to try to enjoy with them and that we need to love with them and be present and have that connection. It's the only way we'll have influence because if you don't, someone else who does like that stuff will influence them. And it's the same, same thing for the world. It's, and, and too often, one of the things that breaks my heart the most, um, because I love universities so much, I love school. Like, I absolutely love school. And, and, and the, the church has just run away from university, just full-on sprinted the other way. And like places like Harvard and Yale and all these other places, they were started by who? Christians. What? You know, you go there today, you're like, no way. There's no way. And it was. And so part of it was we just started having this attitude of, of we don't like what's happening here. This is not a place where a Christian can thrive. This is not a, like, well, hold on. The world is not a place where the Christian can thrive. Like, this is, like... They can thrive only by the Holy Spirit, and that is in the darkest, crappiest place, which is the world. And, and so, do you guys hear what I'm saying? I guess what I'm getting at here is that we need to figure out how we, like, step the other direction, and we change what's happened, and we start pursuing the things that God has put on our heart in such a godly way, and we be so open and praying in community about what it looks like to invade that place with his glory and his presence and, and be missional in those areas. Now, if that place is overseas, by the way, please, by all means, especially if it's Japan, come on over. <laughs> Borders open October 11th for everyone else, so, so come on over. It's been a long time. But, um, but that is, to me, what I've come to say. Like, that is, to me, what needs to be heard by the church. I love the church. I don't want to be the missionary who comes back to America and makes everyone think I hate the church. I love the church. I love the Western church. I love America. And, and I want to see America have the same level of breakthrough and life and joy that we have and we get to have because we're living missional, not because we're living in Japan, but because we're living missional and because we're actually engaging in what's going on around us and loving people and being open to what God's doing. The last quick story I'll say about it is that, um, you know, like, it's a key to be open to what God's doing. Like, where is his favor? You know, where is his favor leading you? What is he doing? We've had favor, not where we expected, in, in Japan. You know, we go, and I'm, I'm preparing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be going. I'm going to be ministering to people. I'm going to be talking. I'm going to teach them theology. You know, they're going to be learning the Lord. And not a single man, like, ever is available. They're just so busy. And so we've been mostly ministering to our kids, friends, moms, so they call them Mama Tomo. There's actually a word for it, Mama Tomos. So we're having a, a Mama Tomo ministry, and we're just reaching out, and, which I have very little to do with, unfortunately, you know, and so, because I'm not a mom. And um, I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I make them coffee, at least. But, um, um, and I watch the kids. That was, it's a huge burden, actually. <laughs> but it's a, my reward's in heaven. It's a huge reward. But um, Japanese kids are not very well behaved. But, um, Anyways, we found favor there, and we're pursuing that. Full on, we're running after it. Like, this is what God's doing. And, and that's what I want you guys to be open to, is pray and be open to where is God creating this favor for you? Danny Silk once said, follow your favor. He's one of my mentors. I love him. And just follow your favor. Another guy told me, um, uh, I don't, Chris Kildosher, is that, do you remember him? He's like, he, he told me, favor 
will get you behind locked doors. And, and that's so true. Like, you'll just find yourself in a room, and you're like, what the heck am I doing here? Before we had moved to Japan, at one point, I got invited to something, and I was there. And I go, and the prime minister of Japan is teaching this group of people, and I'm in this room, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, what the heck am I doing in this room? And there's like ambassador, ambassador, CEO, ambassador, and whatever, and I'm like, I'm just like a random 20-something who doesn't have a job, and um, I'm just in this presence, in this room. That was favor, you know? And um, it's available to everybody. The Lord has favor. It's upon you. It's in you. And I keep, I got to land the plane. I'm sorry. I told him I wasn't going to go past 12. It's 12.01. The last thing I'll share, this past week, sorry, Jesse. um, This past week, we were able to, we had this Iris Global gathering. So all the missionaries of Iris Global met up in Franklin, Tennessee. um, And it was fantastic. It was absolutely wonderful, you know, to be around 280 missionaries showed up. And, um, I mean, 80 of those were kids, but those are missionaries too. And, um, and we just had this powerful time of worship. These amazing guest speakers came in, and we played. We had fun. We just got to know each other. And something about, there was a moment in there, and I want to share the moment. I'll try to spare the details because there's some younger kids here. But um, some people from Mozambique, if you're not familiar, there's been war going on in Mozambique for the past five years, much more than that in other ways, but this specific one's been the past five years, and a lot of death has been around that. Some of the Mozambicans were able to come, and um, some had just buried their relatives like the week before, you know, and um, five of their pastors were just killed like the month before. Like so much death is happening in that region, and um, and this guy, his name is Antonio. He's he's from he's Mozambican. He was sharing a testimony about someone that they were able to minister to who had lost their family recently, and, and how they, I'm, I won't go to details, but it's terrible, what it's not just simply killing them, it's, it's awful what's happening. And, um, and as he's sharing this, and you know, you just hear this thud, like, like, like well, louder than that, but this thud, this mic drops to the ground, and, and, and you, Antonio's suddenly on the ground, you know, and he's, um, he's not unconscious, he's just on the ground, it was just such a burden that he was sharing this, and, and then Heidi comes up, and she, she grabs, and he's, He's one of her sons, actually, like an adopted son. And she said, Antonio just lost four of his cousins. Uh, they were killed, and, and he just buried them last week before flying out here. And, and so, like, this burden of what he was sharing just kind of weighed on him so much. And, and that was horrible, right, to, to hear all that. But what happened after that, to me, was the most beautiful thing. And this is what I would love to pray about for this community is, you know, there's 280 of us. Not all of us were in the room at the time, but... I don't know, 100 people or something, just immediately just went onto the stage, just swarmed Antonio as he's on the ground. And there was probably 20, 25 people just weeping, you know, with him, just absolutely weeping. And I don't even know if they knew him. You know, I don't know if this was like a thing that they had known. I don't know the history of everybody there. But it was one of the most powerful things I'd ever seen as a Christian. And it's, it just reminds me of like, we will celebrate with those who are celebrating their joy will be our joy, but their sorrow is our sorrow also. And, and, and that was the biggest thing that's happened for us as missionaries is we just suddenly have community that we're really doing life with. And I know I, I was a churchgoer for a long time. I'm obviously still a churchgoer, but community feels different. It's hard because you got work throughout the week. You're not able to just live with each other and near each other. But I want to pray that there's a supernatural opportunity for us to to have that level of community, that level of connection to one another that we end up having, like, as people are celebrating, we're celebrating, and, and we're, and, and like, full on we're celebrating, right, that we really mean it, and then when there's sorrow, that we have sorrow, that we are crying, like, we're celebrating marriages being restored, that we're, we're celebrating when people are finding windows of opportunity to minister to the Lord, we're, 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 we're also mourning and crying with those who lose loved ones or lose something that happened, and so um, that. That is strangely how I actually want to end it. I want to pray over that for you guys. And that's what I want to see happen. Um, and then my wife's going to come up and do some ministry stuff. She's much better at it than I am. But um, yeah, so if you guys can close your eyes and maybe stand up, actually. Jesus, I, you are so worthy. I can't even. You are so worthy. 
You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are everything to us. We, we are so grateful to have you. Father God, we are so grateful to be sons and daughters, um, that you've adopted us, that we are a part of your family. Holy Spirit, thank you to minister, for ministering to us, for being in our lives and our hearts, for teaching us and leading us. You're so amazing. I ask that right now here at Overflow, that we get a, a supernatural connection to one another. Lord, that, that you accelerate relationships here, Lord, that you accelerate the connectivity amongst all of the, those here today and those who aren't here, who, those who are watching. Lord, whoever's a part of this community, that they say, oh my goodness, I cannot understand how we are so close and connected, that there, is, there are tears of joy, there's tears of sorrow, that there is celebration, that there is embrace, that, there are, there, that we are so entangled into one another's lives, Lord, that you are glorified. Like Acts 2, people will see this church and they will, they will worship your name because they see the connection that's happening here. Signs and wonders, yes, of course, but Lord, that there'll be connection, that there's going to be opportunity for people to love one another, to give, Lord, that there be no need among anyone here, Father. Lord, we just thank you. We celebrate you that your glory will be done and felt in this place over and over and over again, and that's through people, and it's through your presence. Lord, I give them the grace to see the mission field that they are called to, Lord. Give them the grace and the boldness and the opportunity to, to step into what you've called them to. Lord, give them creative ideas, ingenious ideas that are only you. Lord, give them no fear of man. Remove that right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare there's no fear of man in this place. Lord, I, I give us new hearts and new lenses to see things that we had thrown out before, that we have declared not worthy. Lord, that it is worthy for you to be praised. It is worthy for your name to be sung. Lord, even in a stadium filled with a bunch of nerdy gamers, Lord, that you will be worshipped and that it'll be something that is just so amazing and full of your glory, Lord. Lord, we just pray your presence in this nation. We pray for our president, President Biden, Lord. We just bless him, Lord. We pray that he has an encounter with you. Lord, that the whole government administration has an encounter with you and that there is just purity, Lord. There is conviction, that there is repentance, Lord. We declare that for you. Lord, this nation will be a nation that worships you again. Lord, this will be a nation that is just full of your glory and your presence. Lord, I bless my brothers and sisters here. Lord, I pray that they have the favor of the Lord on them, that they, are, they find themselves behind locked doors, or that they find themselves in areas that they did not expect. Lord, early promotions, uh, job changes, or, or, or people, or whatever it could be, Lord, that they just suddenly find themselves in a room, and, and they have to say, I don't know why I'm here, so obviously God's doing something. Lord, we just pray for that. We thank you and we celebrate early all that you're doing. You are amazing. You are a good God. We love you and we praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, just really quickly, I just wanted to share some things the Lord was speaking to me about this morning on the way here. I just felt like all of a sudden he just started sharing um, about people who were in the room that he just wanted to encourage, that he wanted to speak to. I actually did not know what Aaron was going to talk about. All I knew is the basic phrase that you can't love, you can't win what you don't love. Um, so I think it's really fun because specifically what he was speaking to me about was the same thing. Um, but yeah, today I just really felt like the Lord was saying that, um, I heard actually this phrase this past week, that we are not waiting on God, we are waiting with God. And I feel like there are people in this room that are, are in a waiting season. Maybe God has spoken to you in the past, maybe in your season that you don't know if he's speaking to you about anything particularly, but you just feel like you're waiting. You don't know what your call is. You don't feel like you're living in the purpose that God has for you. And I really feel like today God wanted to change that um, and give very clear instructions on how to move forward of what he wants you to do um, next with him. Um, and so I just wanted to pray over some sp uh, specific people. If I say anything that feels like it's what you are in the season of, I want you to stand up, and at the end, I'm just going to pray over you guys. Um, so for those that are in a waiting season, I'm, I feel like there are some people who um, have this, like, really small whisper right now. Like, you have this one thing that God is speaking to you about. It doesn't make sense. There's no context to it, but you have complete conviction and belief that God has spoken this one thing. 
Um, for Aaron and I, that was Japan. We had no context, like, God, where are we going? Who's going to give us visas? Who's sending us as an organization? We had no information, but all we had was God is calling us to Japan. We don't know who we're going with, anything else. And it was such a conviction that it is what moved us to just sell everything. While lockdown, the borders were completely shut, no end in sight of when things were going to open. We're going to sell our car. We still have places to go. We still have to go to the grocery store. Like, we are going to do this because we want to be ready to move on that as soon as it's completely available. So I feel like there are people in this room that God has given you one small thing. And it might not even make sense, but you have one word, you know, even just one word. Um, today, I feel like God wants to speak to you guys, um, and he wants you to just, I'm going to have you guys open up your hands. We're just going to do the whole thing that Aaron and I did. Like, God, we just say yes. Because um, I feel like today he's saying he's been waiting with you, and he's standing there, and he's just waiting for your yes. And you're asking for more information, more clarity, and he's like, no, I'm just waiting for your yes. Um, so today, I want to, um, yeah, just pray that God would just give you what the next step is with that. Um, the second category is... Um, those who aren't sure what God is doing and you don't actually feel like he's speaking anything. So I feel like, yeah, there's some people that don't feel like you're hearing God and you're like, I'm asking, but I don't hear him speaking. I actually feel like there's some of you that are supposed to find out what others hear God saying because part of what God calls people to do is to partner with others. And so there are people in the body who are feeling strongly what God's speaking. Like Jesse and Jessica, this church is a move of God. This church is what God has placed in their heart, and 100% is what God is doing on their lives. There are people in here that have a word from the Lord that you are actually called to partner with, and there are going to be things that you learn in this season of partnership with them that is going to propel you into the season of what God has for you next. So there are things that you need to learn now for what he has for you in the future. Um, and so I actually, when, when I call those people up, I want you to stand up if that's you, um, and I I want you to find people in this room. If, I'm going to have people stand up at the beginning that feel God's speaking one thing to them. If, if you're the one who doesn't hear God speaking, look around at those who do, and I want you to, par I want you to find them. What is God putting in your heart? And I, if God is speaking and stirring that in you, I want you to love them well enough to serve them and know that sometimes God is calling you to serve. So that is the second category. And the third one is maybe that you've, you've felt God speak to you on very specific things in the past, but it hasn't come to fruition yet. You haven't seen it. But I see some people just dropping things, like they're reaching backward for what God has told them. It's maybe been like a five or a 10-year dream, and you're reaching for this, and you're like, when is it going to go forward? But I really feel like God's actually asking you to drop it, like completely just drop it and reach forward, because I think that there's something new that he wants to do um, in you guys. Okay, so those are three different things. Um, so if you are someone, though, with the first one, if you feel like you have a word from God, even if it's just one thing, maybe it's more than that. Maybe you feel like you have a whole vision. I want you guys to stand up. Yeah. And I want the second group of people, if you feel like you cannot hear God, you're like, God, what is, what is the purpose in my life? What are you doing? I want you just to look around. I want you to ask God, God, who in here am I supposed to be serving? Who in here has a vision or a, a word from you that I'm actually supposed to partner with? Okay, because there are things that you're going to learn from them in this season that God wants to show you. Actually, right now, Aaron and I have an amazing vision from the Lord of what we want to do in the, in the future. We believe 100% God can provide all the finances for it. Um, it would take miraculous, like so many miracles for it to happen, but we have such confidence that it's what the Lord has been speaking. But it's for the future season. We know that right now we are to serve where we are under the leaders that we're under. Um, and it's uncomfortable and there are things that we're just like, okay, God, like this is uncomfortable, but we know we're growing. We know we're learning. We know this is where you have us. So um, if you're in that second group, I want you to just go ahead and stand up if that's you, if you don't know what the Lord is speaking. And then the last one is, yeah, those who are holding on to a password. So if you just feel like God has spoken to you, but you just aren't seeing fruition and you just don't know how to let go, I just want you to stand up. God wants you to let go. Um, it's going to be such a relief. I just feel like there's going to be a relief, even though it's a dream that you want to see happen. There's going to be just like a relief that rushes over you as you let go and say, okay, God, what are you doing? Whatever it looks like, whatever that means, we just say yes. Okay, so I'm just going to pray. So if you guys can hold out your hands, I just want you to say with, you, say with me, God, we say yes. Whatever that looks like, we say yes to you. We drop old dreams on the ground.
God, and we just say yes. We say yes. We say yes, God. Whatever it is, God, we say yes. Yeah, so I'm just going to pray, Jesus, I just declare of this amazing group of people, God, that you would just begin to speak to them. Would you bring your refreshing? Would you bring your fresh words? God, for those who you've spoken to, God, would you show them the next step? God, I ask right now that you would give them ideas, clarity, whatever it is, whatever it means they have to sell, whatever it means they have to shed off, God, would you show that to them? Whoever it is they're supposed to speak to, whatever job they're supposed to take, God, I ask that you would show that to them right now. God, for those who aren't hearing you, God, I ask that you would begin to speak to them about who they're supposed to partner with in this room. You love the body coming together in unity. And I, I thank you, God. I bless that season of serving. I bless that season to be one where they grow, where there's fruit, where there is your presence, God, an abundance of your presence. God, would you release dreams? Would you release um, your word over their life, your purpose, your call to them in this season of serving? Yeah, and for the third group of people, God, I ask, um, yeah, that you would just bring your refreshing, that as they drop down anything that they have felt from you in the past, God, that they could just release that fully to you, open hands before you, and that you would just give them a fresh word. I thank you that you are God of fresh, fresh words. Your word is living. God, I feel like there are people in here, too, that you're going to open up your word, the Bible, when you get home, and he's going to begin to speak to you about what you're supposed to do. Through the word of God, there is a fresh word. Every time you open the word of God, it is living and it will give you a fresh thing, a fresh revelation. So God, yeah, we release fresh revelations as they dig into the truth, into your word, as they partner with Holy Spirit. God, we just bless this people. I bless Jessica and Jesse. I thank you for what you're doing in this church and overflow. I ask for your unity here, God, for your fresh presence and a people that are radical worshipers and lovers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Overflow Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy.